Listener Production. Hello. In today's briefing, the black market for hacked identification data. Now, this is all very interesting in the wake of the huge Optus hack. We find out what happens when hackers steal your data, what they do with it, and how much they can sell it for. So if criminals are behind that, then generally their objective is to monetize data. For example, they can use the emails to run phishing campaigns. They can use the ID information there to for entry theft, to run fraudulent credit card transactions, uh, distribute malware, and so on. So that expert we speak to actually has some good news for those of you affected by the Optus hack. There's a very small window of opportunities where someone can buy that information and use it for fraudulent transactions. So there's not much time for the scammers to make money off it or people who buy it to kind of misuse it. That is today's briefing. First, Katrina Blouse is here for today's headlines. It is Monday, the 10th of October. Hey everyone, well I wish we weren't starting the week like this, but we have more flooding and rain on the way for New South Wales. Yeah, the New South Wales SES currently has 16 evacuation orders in place and more than 100 warnings following the weekend's deluge. We've seen a number of communities across the Hawkesbury, Dubbo and Wagga um, who have been issued with emergency warnings and advised to evacuate. That was Emily Wells from the New South Wales SES. So get this, this is the fifth time in two years people living near the Hawkesbury have had to be evacuated. The ground is saturated, our dams are full, our rivers are full and every time we know a rain bomb is coming, we certainly just think how can we go through this again? But the community does. Yeah, it's heavy stuff. That's the Hawkesbury Mayor Sarah McMahon on Sky. So more than 120 millimetres fell in some parts of New South Wales on Saturday, and that's after similar size falls on Tuesday. So the central west of the state, the River Arena and northwest of Sydney are the worst affected areas. Dubbo's CBD is still underwater, which is crazy to think about. And here's the worst news, I guess. There'll be a few days of fine weather, then there's more rain coming later in the week starting Wednesday. This system could also affect Victoria and Tasmania and bring falls between 20 and 40 millimetres. Chanel Dawson, who's the daughter of Chris Dawson, has spoken publicly for the first time since her father was found guilty of murdering her mum, Lynette, last month. So Chanel was just four years old in 1982 when she was told by her father that her mother had run away. I heard him say, Chris Dawson, I find you guilty. I was just in shock. I couldn't... I just couldn't fathom it, really. It just felt so surreal. That Chanel on 60 Minutes. She says she believes her father killed her mother. She also said she underwent hypnosis to try and uncover what happened. I believe I saw him shining headlights on a spot near the pool and digging. I believe that he buried her in that spot for that night and then the next day when he didn't have us kids, moved her somewhere else. Yeah, it's an incredible interview on 60 Minutes. So Dawson told his two daughters at the time that their mother had vanished because she didn't love them. Um, So just incredible, 40 years later, he's been convicted of murder. He'll be facing a sentencing hearing next month. So this is a bit of a crazy story in Melbourne yesterday. A man and a woman glued themselves to a $100 million Picasso artwork at the National Gallery of Victoria in Melbourne CBD. Yeah, this was crazy. Uh, I saw this pop up in my feed yesterday and it it really looked like they were glued to the painting. You're like, no, mm. that's a Picasso. But the gallery yeah. <laughs> says the work wasn't harmed because it's protected by Perspex glazing, um, which is good news. So it's the activist group Extinction Rebellion claiming responsibility. 
Yeah, so they um, wanted to highlight environmental issues ahead of Victoria's state election next month. The uh, Picasso piece in question is about war. And so um, they say that they also wanted to highlight the suffering that could happen, you know, in the future um, with climate change. So they used super glue. They were stuck to this piece for about an hour, but then people that work in the gallery used some acetone. And uh, I don't know whether there was damage to their hands, but there's certainly wasn't damaged to the artwork. Yeah, and they were arrested and then released without charge, which is interesting. So, look, I guess they got us thinking about how crazy Extinction Rebellion are in terms of their (laughs) tactics. Um, Maybe drew our attention to the environment a little bit as well. Not sure if we'll shift any votes at the election next month, though. Wild weather and certainly lots of wild action at the Bathurst 1000 supercar race yesterday. So many crashes in the wet. I was just looking at that weather thinking, who would want to drive just normally in this, let alone go around the racetrack of Mount Panorama? It was super hectic and the safety car had to come out eight times. So Shane Van Gisbergen and Garth Tander made history as the last pair to win the race in Holden. Can't thank the team enough. Garth was just on it this year. So the reason I say um, last time in a Holden is because we're not making them anymore. Um, Mm. So, you know, there's been that long running, you know, Ford versus Holden thing at Bathurst. I guess Ford win in the end, huh? Yeah, it's kind of sad, isn't it? Like it's, if you're into that kind of thing, which I'm not really, but even so, it's the end of an era. Meanwhile, there was also another big race, Formula One. Max Verstappen has claimed back-to-back world championships. He took out uh, also a very soggy, rain-affected Japanese Grand Prix. All right, thanks, Katrina. We'll catch you tomorrow. Rihanna and I are about to do this interview on where the data hacking information goes, what happens in that black market. So if you're an Optus customer who's had your data breached, you've no doubt been pretty busy trying to reduce the chance of that data being further compromised by potentially changing your license, your passport, even your Medicare number. And it turns out by doing that, which is the right thing to do, you are reducing the value of that stolen data on the black market. So in this briefing, we're finding out what happens when hackers actually steal your data. For this interview, I'm joined by Rihanna Patrick. Hey, Tom. Yeah, we're speaking to Ravi Sen, who is a cybersecurity researcher at Texas A&M University. Ravi, what is the most likely course of action that Optus hackers have taken with this huge amount of data? So if criminals are behind that, then generally their objective is to monetize data. For example, they can use the emails to run phishing campaigns. They can use the ID information there to for entry theft, to run fraudulent credit card transactions, uh, distribute malware, and so on. Other ways, the criminals can also just demand ransom if the ransomware attack is involved in here because there were some speculations that that might be the case. Then they would demand ransom from Optus, and uh, then it would be up to the organization to decide whether to pay the ransom or not. If that happens, the current popular practice from hackers is that they will demand ransom not only to release the data, but also ransom not published in the dark web. Now, people whose data has been compromised in this hack, uh, they should uh, expect to start getting targeted from uh, scammers out there who may not have stolen this data, but they are going to use this opportunity to make some money off it. So they might uh, start getting increased number of phishing emails, phone calls, text messages, social media messages and so on from these scammers. And generally, 
what the scammers will do is they will send these messages through email, phone calls, SMS, and social media, and so on, uh, which will have malicious link embedded in them. So they will ask the user to do something. So suppose there is a victim, they get a, a text message, which tells them that your record was part of the data stolen from Optus. Uh, please click on the following link to update your profile. And if the victim clicks on that, Essentially, the device would be infected by malware, or they could be taken to some website, which can infect the device, and so on. They will get, they might get ransom notes that we have access to the data which was stolen here, and we will put it in public domain unless you pay us. My understanding is that the government of Australia has put up a website uh, with some guidelines and also a short kind of a document which uh, users can go and uh, follow the advice given in there. So that would be a good start for all those uh, people whose data has been stolen. Ravi, what is more valuable? I mean, what are the things that they are looking for and what is that worth on the black market? The highest price is generally commanded by your uh, credit cards and uh, payment uh, gateways. So, for example, a credit card can go anywhere on an average for $100, $120 and so on, especially given if the balance is high, $5,000 or more. And the reason is that there's a very small window of opportunities where someone can buy that information and use it for fraudulent transactions. So there's not much time for the scammers to make money off it or people who buy it to kind of misuse it. So Ravi, if this data hasn't turned up on the black market yet, is that good news for the victims of the Optus hack because they have more time to tighten up their security? Right. If it doesn't turn up up on the black web, what you call dark web, then uh, I don't know if there's a right phrase to use that they can count themselves lucky, mm. but uh, that doesn't change the fact that data still has been stolen by someone and not for uh, uh, with any good intentions or with uh, good motivation. So those who, who have stolen it, actually, they can still use this data to spread malware or launch further attacks. So, for example, they can craft a very authentic-looking email, send it uh, to the victim, uh, wishing them a happy birthday wish from... Uh, someone they know with a message, okay, click on that for your birthday gift or something like that. So just because the information has not shown up on the dark web doesn't mean it cannot be misused by the threat agent. Yeah, so that, those risks remain. And I guess the right. risks we already face, there's there's so much of that activity that, that already happens well before this Optus breach, right. particularly during the pandemic, it seemed like th- these kind of threats right. really grew. Right. But I think oh, yeah. given how many points of identification were breached in this Optus hack. You know, over 2 million people who've had their passport numbers, driver's license. Right. There were also a significant number who had their Medicare numbers taken. I think there was a real fear that people would start setting up fake accounts, you know, new bank accounts right, yeah. and, and different kind of right. accounts. How realistic is is that, that the hackers would sell to someone or the hackers themselves would even go to that level of sophistication to create new accounts for people based on this data. I'm glad you asked this, uh, I mean, you brought this other point up because what you call uh, forced documents also command a lot of price. So for example, a fake US passport, it goes for a couple of thousand dollars on the dark web. But to make it really authentic, they need all sorts of information like name, date of birth and addresses and so on, which they have got from this database. So because of the price that it commands, uh, the effort that goes into setting up the particular uh, producing these uh, fake documents is worth the effort. So because they uh, go for a lot of uh, money out there. Yeah, this is a definite possibility. In this case, I'm looking at like uh, you have a passport uh, number and details stolen. Then yeah, yeah, they can definitely be produced. 
and sold on the dark web. If the threat agents don't sell them on the dark web, so for example, if it's a state, uh, nation state behind this uh, data breach, uh, they can uh, use information to create forged documents, which then they can use in espionage and uh, intelligence operations and so on and so forth. If they show up on the dark web in that sense, at least the victims will know and they can take action and they can uh, cancel the current documents and apply for a new one. And I think Australia, the government is already encouraging people to do that, new passports and new driver's license and so on. Ravi, when something happens like this, there's a lot of, I guess, worry from those whose details have been taken. But, you know, Mm -hmm. should you also be thinking actively about checking on whether you have had details taken that it doesn't just right. happen when something like this happens, that it should be a part of your, just your general um, looking after details and emails right. and things like that. When I talk to uh, people about something called digital footprints, that all the information that people leave behind when they are indulging in online uh, browsing, web access and so on. So this something comes up because this is not something people normally do. But those who are serious about their privacy, th- this is a, uh, something that they need to make a habit of. Just check once in a month. And there are websites out there where you can go ahead and actually do that. So, for example, uh, a website called uh, Have I Been On? So when you go there, you just enter your email and it will show you that how many data breaches happened where your email was part of the data that was stolen. So if a recent data breach shows up which has that information, it's strongly advised that that individual just goes and changes uh, the password uh, of their email and they also uh, note down the accounts where that email has been used as a login credential or something in any other way and uh, basically if possible inform the organizations that uh, my email was compromised in this recent data breaches so uh, i just wanted to keep you updated and if there is anything i can do to minimize my risk uh, then i would be happy to know about that people can also nowadays buy insurance against uh, any identity theft if it happens from the data that is stolen from them so these are some steps people can take, but at the least, they can definitely check for free if their uh, emails and other information has been compromised in a data breach. And they can do it for free. So, you know, I think, uh, I believe Firefox browser allows you to do that. Ravi, given what, what you've seen in the US in terms of big data hacks, how big is what we've seen here in Australia with the Optus breach? And also given those other points you've made about the fact there's no trace of it turning up on the the dark web yet even the way the hackers handled that ransom which they withdrew Mm -hmm. also given the time that's elapsed how big is this breach how concerning is this breach overall and how worried do people need to be if we compare the size of the breach which is number of records compromised then uh, some might think that it's not that big a breach Uh, for example in the u.s the sort of biggest one ended up with compromising uh, records of 148 million accounts or individuals, wow. something like that. Like Equifax data breach, that's one of the credit racing rating agencies. So in terms of that, it's not a big breach. But uh, from cybersecurity perspective, a breach of a few thousand records and a breach of a million records doesn't necessarily mean that more records mean more severe breach and less records means less severe breach. So for example, if the records of... Uh, public officials and top-ranking business organization managers and so on, they are compromised, they can be more valuable. So uh, we shouldn't be using just a number of records as a criteria to compare various breaches. Mm. We should just look at the kind of impact. If the impact is confined to this individual, to the organization itself, or can the impact 
spread to other systems, other organizations, more individuals, and so on. So those kind of the kind of things which would be taken into uh, account. Uh, but again, like I said, the bad thing is if they could be just uh, waiting to use this data for uh, further intrusions. Now, in this case, the way I would look at it, at these breaches, you have one of the most what you call the mark, one of the market leaders who is getting hacked. That is not a good thing. All right. What that means is that if companies like Optus do not have cybersecurity in place to prevent this kind of data breach, then how can you expect that from organizations which have a lot less resources uh, available to them uh, for cybersecurity? So in that sense, it's a very serious uh, incident. The second is uh, incidents like this force our governments to look at their data protection uh, regulations and laws. Because uh, if the impact is borne by mostly individuals, that's not a good thing. If the financial impact is borne by government, that's not a good thing. Uh, if the impact is larger, it's borne by the organization, that's also not a very good thing because organizations can go bankrupt if the financial impact is huge. How do you know that it hasn't turned up in the black market for data? Uh, I haven't seen uh, any reports of that on the uh, dark web. There are cybersecurity professionals who monitor the dark web on a regular basis. So they will go to this, uh, this dark webs and popular marketplaces to see if some uh, new data uh, has been dumped into the market. And generally what has happened so far in US, uh, what I've seen is when this happens, then the organizations will come out and say, yes, this happened to us and we were investigating the whole thing and we were uh, deciding when to come out with the information uh, when we had more information on how the incident happens and uh, so on. Because research has found that if, when a data breach is disclosed for organizations, generally their stock prices also take a hit for a short time. They might recover and then the reputation uh, takes a hit and so on. So companies want to manage this disclosure very carefully. And that means they want to take as much time as they can. That was Ravi Sen from Texas A&M University. And I guess I was hearing a little bit of silver lining there, Rihanna, that as the days go by, the data's worth less because people have more time to change their accounts, meaning the risk of bad things happening is seems to be reducing for those people who've had their data hacked. Which you hope is a little bit of a silver lining for those that have probably been in huge lines if they've had to update their licence, get a new passport, all of those things that just take time. But for me, I, I think it's also, um, you know, a great reminder, as Ravi said, you know, those digital footprints that we have, this is something that we should be across all the time, not just when there's a big data hack. Yeah, I think that's good advice. Listener.